swallow your pride There's nowhere to hide What would you decide when it's on the line? If it's do or die, would you compromise? Or would you stand through the storm and roll with the tide? Would you be the one to fight or the one to hide? You can never touch the sky, you don't try to fly Rocky roads, but we stayed unshakable Been through it all and we still unbreakable what is up, guys? Welcome to the Reborn Podcast. My name is Ashley Horner, and I have a very special guest on with me today, uh, John Richards. What's up, man? Welcome to the Reborn Show. Oh, thanks for having me, Ashley. I'm so, pretty excited to be here. So John is local here to Virginia Beach. How long have you been in Virginia Beach? Uh, I got here in October of 2013. So that's that's a good amount of almost, time. Almost 10 years You're now. home yeah. for now. Yeah. Planted your roots here. Um. I wanted to, so John and I actually struck up a conversation uh, at a local grocery shop here. And the more I was talking about, you know, it's easy to pick up on, on people who just have this, um, this light about them, inspiring, motivational. And I really like, I'm always so busy. First of all, I never go to the grocery store here. I was actually just talking about this with John. I never go to the grocery store. So you know, I think you were like, I didn't know if I should like stop you and talk to you because it might be weird. And I was like, no, dude, like I actually never come to the grocery store. So the fact that like I'm at the grocery store and you happen to run into me, I was like, sure, we'll chat. So we chatted for a few minutes. And we were talking about um, everything that you have going on and it's really, really inspiring. Um, so thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw you. I'm like, cause I wanted to tell you thanks for some stuff that, you know, we talked sure. about and figured, hey, John, tell her thank you. you you've got gratitude. Go show it. And then it just kind of led to talking. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, you know what? I was like, you would be so awesome to have on my show to kind of talk about, like, to share your story with the listeners. Um, so where are you from originally? Because I know Virginia Beach is not your home. Yeah. So the audience may pick up on it. I'm from Georgia. You might still hear a little bit of Southern accent in there somewhere, mm. but... Are we a Bulldogs fan? We are very much Bulldogs fan. Oh, we, man. We go hard on Saturdays for the Bulldogs. Uh, grew up down there. And then in 2011, yeah, 2011, I enlisted into the Navy and have been doing that ever since. Well, except for the past three months, I was just medically retired. So I'm no longer active duty. And I, I spent my so entire So you're recently career, medically retired. Very, very much, recent. Very much recently, October 28th. Um, and I was fortunate enough to do that job for 11 and a half years and I'm on to the next chapter of life, but I feel like we want to talk about that chapter, don't we? I do. Yes. <laughs> I want to, I want to know, like, it's really interesting. You know, did you are, did you always know that you wanted to be a, a Navy SEAL? Yeah. Oh yeah. So I remember being six years old and, uh, I was hanging out with my dad and I, I think the world of my dad, love my dad. He's my hero. And he, and he shows me this magazine. He goes, Hey, you see that right there? I said, yeah. He said, that's the baddest dude on the planet. And it was a picture. Was it Chuck Norris? No. <laughs> I said baddest dude, not second baddest dude. <laughs> so, and, um, it was it was like this old quintessential picture of a Navy SEAL coming out of the water, had on all his dive gear, had his gun pointed forward. And I, I remember being six and thinking, okay, that's the baddest dude, huh? All right. And then I just kind of kept an ear and eye out for Navy SEALs the rest of my life. Like anytime they would pop up on movies, TV mm. shows, books, or whatever. And then as I got older, um, high school, I would go scarf down lunch and then I would just run to the library and jump online to read about Navy SEALs and training Mm. and buds and just trying to figure out every little thing I could about what Navy SEALs are, what they do, how do you you become one and find out pretty quickly. It's pretty hard, you know, Uh, SEAL training is not known for being easy. So once I got a little older, around 20 or so, I realized, okay, dude, this isn't just something you think is cool. This is something you really want to do. And um, that was always there. It just took me a while to get serious about it and realize, yep, I want to be a Navy, did, a Navy SEAL. Did you, did you have an alternate path that you were thinking about taking? None. None. So it was like, <laughs> yeah. you were like, I'm going to be a Navy SEAL. This is it. There wasn't, there wasn't a plan B. Yeah. No, because no, you yeah. just, you just mentioned it and I'm going to say it again. It's not easy Mm-mm. going through the pipeline that you've gone through and successfully making it through. I don't know what like the pass rate is, but I don't think it's very high. It, no, do yeah. you know what, yeah, even tr- what that is? Yeah, I do. So oh, <laughs> I got to share this funny story. So okay. I was like kind of just messing around in college. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do, what I want to study or anything. And I got really good at beer pong, you know, never good at school itself. <laughs> I was like really close to failing out. And my mom is just digging into me one day when I'm home on vacation. She's like, you can't go back to school. Da, 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 da. I'm like, hey, mom, just chill, dude. I'm going to drop out and be a Navy SEAL anyway. <laughs> That's what you told your mom. <laughs> she, she didn't like that, but it all panned out. So she, I think her words were, how, I'm not going to cuss, but how do you think you can go do that and you can't even go to class? Mm. I'm like, well, I don't want to be in class, mm. you know? 
And, and she was super supportive once she realized I was serious. But no, I, I had no other plan. Like Even to this day, I still don't know what I would have done had I not been a Navy SEAL mm-hmm. for at least a decade, you know. Um, speaking to the pipeline, it's it's an attrition rate of 80%. So my class, I, I went through on a very, quote, strange time of the year because I went through in the winter time. Mm-hmm. So the water's colder than normal. But I also went through in an, an El Nino year. So the weather was just this psycho ex-girlfriend you couldn't imagine that would uh, not leave you alone. Oh, dang. <laughs> Um, and out there on the, um, because the training, it's out there on the West Coast mm-hmm. in Coronado, California. Yeah. And the, the water is cold. Very cold. It's not a nice no. beach. No, Like anywhere tropical. It's cold and the waters are not nice. Yeah. When I, so the first three weeks of buds are the first three weeks of buds, but the fourth week is hell week. And for my hell week, I, I dude, sometimes I swear the instructors have a weather machine because uh, the weather was like nice <laughs> the weekend leading into it. And then the instant hell week started, it just started dumping rain. It was oh. 40 degrees outside or 30 degrees outside, 40 degree ocean temp. So and that's not, that's not even common in California and no, San Diego. It, so, and for that to happen, yeah. you were like, uh, it, mother nature is out for us. Yes. And it hailed, it, oh, it no. hailed Monday night of hell week. And I remember, cause you, you go five and a half days without sleep. So you get a little weird. You're not seeing things normal, you know? And I remember one night we were doing these races and I was like, man, this rain hurts. Like, it is hurting my body right now. I had no clue it was hailing. But I actually have a picture of me sitting there with hail all around me. And it wasn't until Saturday, once Hell Week was over, we're talking to our instructor. He's like, hey, you guys realize it hailed? I'm like, oh, okay. That's why the rain hurts so bad. That's what that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, back, yeah, so back to the attrition rate, though. My class started with 270 guys. We had our first three weeks of what's called Bud's Orientation. After that three weeks, we were down to 170, and then buds actually started. We went from 170 to 80 within three weeks. Then that fourth week was hell week. We went from 80 to 40, and then out of that 40, I think only like 20 graduated with that class. I didn't graduate with that class. That's very common. Like very. Did few. you get rolled back? Oh yeah, one <laughs> I time. My, I got my master's in buds. I, I was there so long. Oh, you did. No, I was so, going to ask you how, like, like were you? Did you did you make it through the first time, or what did that journey look like? So it was weird. I got through. 85% of buds with my original class. And then um, we still joke about it to this day. I failed land nav with that class. And so I had to roll back to the next class and repeat third phase. And then I go through all of SQT with this next buds class. What is SQT? SEAL qualification training. So yeah. at that point, you were getting trained up on like the basic level of tactics it takes to perform at the team. And I made it 90% of the way through the pipeline with that class. And then I failed free fall, which sucks but doesn't suck because all that means is hey you're not getting dropped you're going to roll back to the next class and you get to go skydive even more and then the class i rolled into they actually sent them to language school after we graduated so i got to spend an extra three months in san diego learn to speak french uh french do you still Mm -hmm. speak it uh i want to say something silly in french but it's so bad i can't do it anymore (laughs) (laughs) that's cool i uh i've always wanted to learn like another language it's fun it's really good for the brain yeah i know a little bit of a uh krill uh See, I can't Creole. Real? Front, yeah, in Haiti, yeah. Haitian. Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes Creole. sense. It's like a, a mixed. Uh, it's a little bit of French mm-hmm. and then a little bit of like their own jargon. I think. Yeah, they're up to weird stuff. Down so, there. Uh, so you you were very you had to be very persistent. Like mm-hmm. you had it in your mind that you were gonna make it through. Like at any point, were you like, okay, you know, when you because you how many times did you get rolled back? Uh, twice. Twice. And, and like they were such shots to the gut because. I made it through Hell Week. I got through Drager Hell Week. I, I did pull comp. I did like all these big hard milestones, but it was something little that tripped me uh, up. Which actually, now that I say this that, out did loud, did that like mess with your head at all? I think it did, and I didn't realize it. But now that I say this out loud to you, I realize that's almost like a microcosm of what my career was. I never really got hurt while we were doing a hard thing. It was always something weird where I would get injured. Like one day when I was at the team, we were out all day doing a long range navigation in up armored trucks. And I'm like, no hyperbole here. We were going straight up mountains, down mountains, on the side of mountains. Everything was fine. And then dr- training was done. We were driving back to our compound. And my the truck I was driving kicked around in a soft spot. And I rolled a truck with my teammates in it. Wow. Took a shot to the noggin off the way as Dang. my head hit the, yeah. hit the ground. But like, I, I, I don't know if that's a John Richards problem or what. But it always seemed like it was something small. And so I tell people now, hey, you don't get hurt on the mountain. You get hurt in the parking lot. Yeah. So learning to have that ever-present mindfulness of what's going on, what's mm. around you. And it's not over till it's over type thing. Mm. That's a really good, just for life in general, mm-hmm. you know, like being fully present um, and not just, it's not, 
on the mountain. It's right. everything else. Yeah. 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 Um, so you were really persistent to get through and you made it through hmm? and you came out here to the East coast. Yeah. So I want to talk about like, I want, I want you to, to share a little bit about like what has happened and then bring us to the present. Okay. So yeah, I'll, I'll take it and run with it from here. Then I checked into SEAL team four in October of 2013 and I, stayed there for multiple rotations, which means multiple deployments, which also mean, also means multiple workups, right? Like you're not there just to deploy. That's what we want to do, but you don't just deploy. You have to be trained up. So it takes roughly a year and a half of training at the team level for every deployment you do, which is very hard. You could be gone for nine months straight and not even be deployed. You're just off training, going really, really hard. And I think I'd only been at the team for like a day or so. And my chief comes up to me, and goes, Hey, you're going to preacher school. And I'm like, and I'm, I'm over the moon. And for those of you who don't know what that means, that breacher school, it gives you the skill set to be able to use explosives to blow through walls, doors, pick locks, all sorts of other really fun things. And I had heard of this this um, qualification while I was going through training. And I always thought, I want to do that. Normally, new guys don't get advanced qualifications like that because they have enough going on just trying to learn the basics. But for whatever reason, Manning lined up weird or some older guy couldn't go. So my, my chief sent me. And so I spent uh, the bulk of my career working as a master breacher at the team, as well as a Hearst master, which is anything jumping out of helicopters, roping out of helicopters, anything to do with some sort of air platform, I would be the one running that training or event. And then things kind of got wonky for me. Did, did you always feel like that you you always like chased that, like that, um, I don't want to say it's a high of like just doing all the crazy things, but is that, is that similar to like how you were in your youth or like going through sports? To where I, th I think I always looked for something hard to do. Um, but it was, it was something only I knew was there. I think if you were to ask anyone I grew up with or even my parents, they'd be like, yeah, we didn't see this coming. But for whatever reason, I always marveled at like the mountaintop that you could get up to yeah. and training for it. I, I've always enjoyed structure and regimentation my entire life, like baseball season, basketball season, football season, just being able to show up somewhere and be uh -huh. part of a team uh -huh. and go do something hard. Yeah. And then that like that fulfillment you get on the backside after that sure. has always been a really great thing. Yeah, I like that. So so how was the training and like the transition going from like the West coast to the East coast and coming out here and, and, you know, being a part of like, now you're doing all the trainings and the schools. Um, how was that initial transition for you coming out? And, you know, they say being, being a part of like the brotherhood and being introduced to that. It was, it was everything I, I hoped it would be. And what's weird is like, I didn't miss Southern California because I didn't get to enjoy it while I was there. I was just yeah. like, you know, yeah. <laughs> getting put through the grinder the entire yep, time. Sure. And it wasn't until I got out here. It's like the, the entire time I was in the training pipeline, I never once checked a weather app because one, Southern Cal's nice mm -hmm. with the exception of hell week. But two, yeah. John, it really didn't matter what the weather was because you're going to train anyway. Right. And then when I got out here, like, I had to start looking at weather and like, yeah. hey, is it going to rain today? What do I need to wear? And things like that. But when I got here, man, it was everything I could have asked for. I, I got to hang out with older guys, guys you've heard about and, and just hearing their stories. Some of the legends. Around. Yes. A hundred percent. And being around some of the guys who've done the things they've done was everything a young frogman could ask for, you know, yeah. and then getting to be a part of that, getting to go on training with them, getting to learn from them, getting to just know them as was a blessing in and of itself. And it's, I don't think any one team guy will say this about themselves, but we'll all say it about everyone else. And in my mind, I, I was fortunate enough to walk alongside the finest warriors and, not just in the nation, but in the world. And I still, there's still days I look back, I'm like, man, I really got to do that, huh? Mm -hmm. But I don't view myself that way. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anyone would ever say that about sure. themselves. Sure. So that whole experience was, was really cool. And w would you say at that point in, in your life, like you were fulfilling your purpose? Like yes. you felt like this was everything that I'm supposed to be doing. Like it's the only thing you saw, you mm -hmm. lived it, you breathed it. I mean, um, you know, it was, it was, it was your identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, uh, a million percent. So we'll get into this, but I, this is stuff I've, I've told you. Like when I came into the teams, I thought I will be here for 20 or 30 years. I'll make a full career out of it. If I die doing this job, that's fine. Like mm -hmm. that's what I'm here to do. I, I was mm -hmm. fully bought in full tilt as teams as teams could get. And then the weirdness set in and like I started to realize, okay, there's life outside of here. Mm -hmm. So if you want me to jump into yeah, it right now, I'll I will, go for yeah. it. So, Let's talk about <laughs> um, that. Yeah, so in late, so being a breacher is a ton of fun, but you also are around a, a ton of what's called overpressure, which thinks shockwave off a bomb, and that tends to rattle the brain, especially when you're around a thousand of them in your career. 
And in late 2017, I started going to these bouts where I would stand up and get lightheaded and I'd have to sit down. And then on a skydiving trip leading into Thanksgiving, we had been jumping all pre-dawn morning and early morning up to the afternoon. Caught it, caught it a day around noon. We went back to our hotel room, blacked out the room to take a nap so we could go work out. And um, I stood up to go to the bathroom and I got super lightheaded. I mean, like this one was different. And since we had the room blacked out, I couldn't, I couldn't look at anything to figure out where I was in space or to grab on anything to keep me upright. And I ended up collapsing. And on the way down, I, I lost consciousness before I fell. But once I fell, I cracked my head open on the bathroom counter. It was like just knocked out cold. And like I was telling you, what woke me up was the sensation of blood running down my head. I'm like, oh boy, this ain't good. Luckily, my roommate was a medic, so he just handled it as appropriately as possible mm -hmm. and took me to the ER and we got some staples. And even after that, like the team medical staff wanted to meet with me. And I did not tell them about being lightheaded and all these weird episodes. So, you know, this is interesting because you're not the only one that does that. I know a lot of guys <laughs> that, yeah. that are in your career field. You guys do not talk about your injuries that you have mm -hmm. because you're afraid it's going to either pigeonhole you or keep you from progressing and moving up into your your career. Yep. And did, was that kind of, you know, whenever, you know, you, you yeah. say that you like left some stuff out, was that mm -hmm. like, you were like, I don't want them to know because I don't want them to think that I'm like any less of an operator or like right. any less of a warrior. Is yeah. that, was that kind of what you were thinking? That and um, in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, if something's wrong with me, they're not going to let me train. Like mm -hmm. I, I don't get to play team guy anymore. Never mind that something could be wrong. Like, I don't yeah. care. I'm, yeah. I'm doing this one thing I want to do. Well, I'm sure you're probably like, oh, it's probably just weird. Like, I probably, yeah. like, didn't sleep well. It's probably, like, the pressure of, like, you know, you're mm -hmm. you're not in Virginia Beach anymore. Right. You're probably somewhere else yeah. training. <laughs> it's, it's funny you say that because <laughs> not only did I not tell them, I built out my own story as to why it happened. <laughs> oh, shit. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, I downed a rock star on an empty stomach and stood up too fast. And then the medical professional I was meeting with, you know what? And we're out of Virginia Beach. We're out in Arizona in the desert, different time zones. Mm -hmm. And you're being in up at midnight to go jump. I'm like, that's exactly it, man. You got it. Yeah. Thanks. He's like, cool. Have a good day. I'm like, yep. Sounds good. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Went okay. on my merry way. Yep. yep. And then, um, <laughs> this thing did not go away. I kept standing up and get lightheaded. I'd have to plop myself down on the couch and chill for a second. And then we were on a combat dive trip and we were subsurface. Well, what's a combat dive trip? So what does that mean? Okay. So there's scuba in, diving. In layman terms. Yeah, yeah. There, there's scuba diving, which we all know what that is. You, you got your tanks on your back there you're blowing bubbles and playing in the coral reef or whatever. But with combat diving, you're, you're navigating underwater, whether it's using bearings directions or just understanding your environment in general. And you're also not blowing bubbles. You're on what's called a rebreather. So there's no, no way to know you're there, right? You're subsurface and it's, it's as sneaky frogman as can get. Uh, well, one of the tricky things with that is it's not an air rig. You, you breathe oxygen. But on that, the rigs can go bad and you can get hypercapnic, hypoxic, and all sorts of other weird stuff. And the remedy is just go to the surface, get your mouthpiece out, and breathe air back into your lungs and, and flush it out. Well, we're on this dive and we're, we're coming into the target. And I start feeling weird again like I did when I would lose consciousness. And I, I was getting warm and buzzy and tingly. I'm like, oh, boy, this ain't good because you're underwater right now. Yeah. Like, this is not the did place to Did you say anything out. to your um, swim buddy, your swim partner? Mm -mm. Nothing. Nope. So... It was coming on so fast, um, I didn't even have time to tell him. Like, I knew what was about to I, I knew I'm about to lose consciousness. I need to get to the surface. <clears throat> and we were only like, we weren't very deep at all. But I, I shoot up to the surface. I get my mouthpiece out thinking. Did you pull your airbag at all or anything? Mm, Nothing. No, just, just yeah. went on up. And um, thinking, I just need air. That's all this is. So I get to the surface, get the mouthpiece out. And then I lose consciousness on top of the water. Well, my dive buddy had no clue what I was dealing with, and he's underwater, but he looks over, doesn't see me, looks up, and sees me floating on the surface, and he thought I just lost my buoyancy control, because that does happen. Sure. He's like, oh, John doesn't realize he broke the water. I need to pull him back under. So he pulled me back under while I was blacked out with no mouthpiece in. So while I was blacked out, I actually remember feeling like I was drowning. Well, it wasn't feeling. I was drowning, right? Yeah. I, I remember what that felt like. I remember my head thrashing, looking for air. I remember water going down my throat, and other than pulling me underwater that night, he was on his game. He he told me he was in the middle of doing what he was doing, and he heard some gurgling and thrashing and looks over and just sees me, mouthpiece out, chin to chest, convulsing, and he, he grabs me and swims me up to the surface, and he doesn't know what to do once we get to the top. And then I finally wake up, and at that point, the instructor says, like, hey, what's going on? And for the first time in my life, I answered a question purely out of fear. And I said, I don't know, but I don't think I need to go back under. And they're like, what, what happened? And I said, I, th I, think, I, I think I lost consciousness. 
like, yeah, you don't need to go underwater. So they called the safety boat over to me, uh, threw me in the boat, took a five hour chamber ride. Like I told you about, which yeah. sucks because those chambers are tiny and I'm not. So, uh, <laughs> The next, and that kept us up to like two in the morning or so. And then the next day I had to go back in front of the medical staff and they were like, all right, dude, you've been losing consciousness. Like you're getting a tax return for it. Like what's going on here? I'm like, well, now that you ask, um, I've been going through these weird bouts where I stand up and I get lightheaded and I have to sit down and that thing in Arizona, that's what that was. Uh, I've had a few more and this is happening probably every day. And they're like, okay, uh, well, as you know, we can't allow you to operate. But yeah, I get it. And that's exactly why I didn't want to tell yeah. him the first time, right? I just had no clue. When when you, when you, when you're, I just kind of want to bring you to like, when you're having this conversation, mm -hmm. like the one conversation that you purposely avoided <laughs> because of the, for the exact reason of like what you didn't want to happen that is now happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so were you at that point, were you like, oh shit, there's actually something wrong with me and now I'm scared and I got to figure it out because this isn't right? Or were you still like, damn, like now I'm like, now what? Like, what were you thinking? Where was your mindset at? What's interesting is I never, and I'm not trying to sound noble here. I never once thought what's wrong with me. Like I could legit have a problem. Like I could have a tumor. I don't know. That was never a thought. The thought was, will I ever get to do this job again? Mm. And that was all I worried about. And in fact, it was like this, I don't want to call it a weird calmness, but I was more worried about not getting to be a Navy SEAL anymore compared to something being wrong with me, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I, I just let patience prevail with that when I knew, all right, dude, if something's wrong, like we're going to find it, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't know what it could be. Um, but what if the, the big concern and the big fear was like, they may not let you do this again because they, they, they straight up said, you're not operating until you get cleared again. Sure. So I didn't really care what the problem was. I just wanted to, operate again yeah you know? yeah um, like just figure it out yeah, so we can yeah and um so i went to cardiology they, they made me do a full medical workup and so i went to cardiology checked out normal neurology surface level ct scan was normal but there there were problems there we can get into and then they said all right well the next part of this workup is mental health and i remember thinking all right that, that's just a check in the box like whatever and i was as wrong as could be we got there and realized that's what was causing all of this was I had been going so hard for so long. My body, what I used, I used to think my body was finally betraying me, but it wasn't. My body was trying to keep me safe. My mind, my subconscious was trying to get my attention of like, dude, you have got to stop. Like you are running us raw. We can't continue with this anymore. So we're going to give you some subtle hints. We're going to tell you you're lightheaded. We're going to make you pass out and you're going to start listening. Okay. You passed out and you still not listen. Well, it, here, here it comes again underwater. Can't slow, yeah. yeah. And, Can't uh, slow him down. <laughs> do it underwater. Right. That'll really stop him. Yeah. Um, so luckily smarter people than I am got involved and realized like, all right, dude, this has to stop. And so with the whole mental health thing is when I really started a ton of self exploration, getting to know myself, getting to know my values, what's important to me and the team, they keep going, they keep training. I'm like, I'm not, I'm a part of it, but I'm not a part of it. Administratively, that? that was strange, super strange. And I had just gotten married, um, had a kid on the way at the time. And so it's kind of like divine intervention. And I think all this happened for a reason at the time that it did because that time down, allowed me to look up for the first time since I'd been in the Navy and go, oh, there's life outside of here. Mm. There are other things you can do in life. And and with a kid on the way, knowing I'm going to be a dad, I'm recently married and understanding I, I want to do very good at those. I don't know if the SEAL teams fits into that anymore, sure. you know? Yeah. So we progressed through all that and um, basically just come to the conclusion that, dude, all of these syncope episodes, the lightheadedness is coming from you one, being in the wrong place. Your body's trying to tell you, it's, your subconscious is trying to tell you, it's, it's time to move on, man. Like, th these days are behind you. Two, dude, you are killing us. Please stop doing this. You know, so. D did you, like, did you fight that at all? Because to believe, to believe in who you are and who you were mm -hmm. since you were, like, six years old. Like, did you fight those thoughts of, like, you, like, just the, the hard, maybe harsh reality mm -hmm. of, like, this that was my time and i'm done oh yeah yeah i fought it like hell um and i, I and what's so you, crazy did you ever try to figure out ways to stay in oh like yeah the, yeah oh yeah and I, then I, it was just dude, like it wasn't yeah all, all that kicked off in late 2017 and into 20 the whole year of 2018 was spent me trying to get medically cleared and i did and i still deployed and i oh. still thought i'm staying in and, yeah. and all that other stuff but it it's crazy because you know I can rattle all of this off and tell you, yeah, dude, it was time to go. I still did not 
quote, concede defeat on that for a long time. And it, it's, it still took them another three years to decide, dude, you got to get medically retired. Like, we can't keep you anymore. I, I even went back, came back from that deployment, um, went to a training command, got my batteries recharged, got a lot of things under control. And then, like, some more weird things popped up that had already happened. And I went to talk to the psych about it because I, I wanted to stay out in front of it. Sure. And she ended up labeling me MPQ, not physically qualified. And I didn't realize she did that. And so a month or two goes by and I'm getting ready to go back to a team and I'm, I'm applying to be a team leader at multiple different teams. And on that, you have to submit a package to do it as yep. well as a medical package. Sure. And my phone rings and she's like, Hey John, I'm like, what's up doc? Why do I see you submitting for a team leader at such, such and such team? Like, Cause I want to be a team leader. And she's like, John, you're not cleared to operate. I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, dude, last time you came in, I put you on MPQ status. You'll, John, you'll never do this again. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, wait, was this over the phone? Oh, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, she said, dude, you, John, I will never clear you to operate again. You've been at the most tame environment in your entire career for the past two years. And I know you're feeling better. But with what you just told me two months ago, things aren't healed yet. And there is no way you can go back to a team, especially as a team leader, and get through it. And we're not going to assume it's going to work. We would, be, we would be doing you a disservice by letting you go back to a team. Sure. Because what's going to happen when you pass out underwater again? What if yeah. your dive buddy's not on point and doesn't bring you yeah. up? What if you lose consciousness and all these other things? So, like, she's completely right. You yeah. Know? Um, I was just fighting it like every dude, <laughs> every dude would do, you yeah. know? Um, and so that's, that was when the reality came in of, like, wow, this really is over. Huh, that sucks. And so I spent the next 18 months going through the medical retirement process before finally getting out. Which mm-hmm. brings you to the present. It does. As of three months ago. <laughs> yeah. How has that transition been for you? Oh, man. So... What is that book by um, Sebastian... Tribe. Sebastian Younger. Sebastian Younger. Younger I've read that book. It's good, isn't it? It is a good book. Really good. Have you read that? Mm Mm-hmm. It's really good. It explains a lot, too. It does. Um, And and I'm sure that... When did you read that book? Was it, like, before you were kind of transitioning out or... Oh, amongst the myths, like, all the losing consciousness stuff had already happened. Yeah. Um, getting to understand trauma and anxiety and PTSD were already in my life. So that book really helped open up the lens of understanding sure. what all this is and why I would lie about not being sick. Yeah. Of why I didn't want to leave my tribe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cause it, you know, you, it's really hard to find what you had, mm-hmm. you know, with the teams and the brotherhood and the civilian, the civilian world. Right. Yeah, I, I don't think there's another place like it, oh. you know, um, outside of other special operations organizations, but sure. Yeah, you know, tribe's awesome. It's it's really good. If anyone's listening to this, definitely get into that. It'll it'll give you a whole new lens to look By through. By Sebastian, what's his last name? Younger. Gutner. Younger. Younger. Yeah. Sebastian Younger. Yeah, it's called Tribe. Mm-hmm. It's a really good book. Quick I've read. read. It. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty easy. Yeah. Um. So what's funny? I've been asked this about transition before, and I get it. Like I just got done with it yesterday. It feels like. Um. But my transition began far before I got out because I knew for so long I was going to be out. So to go 18 months to get medically retired, you're essentially, I don't want to say you're out, but you're doing the out process. Right. Stuff and you're point. already thinking, okay, like now you're like, okay, what is beyond this? And what do I want to do now with my, right. with my career? Which this is what I love and what is so cool. And one of the big reasons is why you're here now, because you have taken what seems to be like, you know, we think about, I always ask myself, like, Ashley, are you fulfilling your purpose? I think it's really important to always check in mm. and to not get complacent and mm-hmm. like where you're at and, you know, what you're going after, the goals that you're chasing down. Um, and what I love about your story is what you have started to do now and how you are taking your skill set and everything that you learned and your experience and you're able to basically share all of that knowledge. Oh, well, thanks. It's it To me, it would be wrong to not do it. Because you know, you're definitely will, a people person. Oh, yeah. You're really oddly, much a people person. Oddly a people person. Yeah, to a weird yeah you're point. so <laughs> easy to talk to. So this is why like people people love you and, and yeah. you know love to talk to you. And so now you're like, talk about a little bit what you're doing now. Yeah, so I actually started this before I got out. Um, I, after my time at the team, I, I went and became an instructor and really fell in love with teaching knowledge transfer. I just love taking what I know and, and applying it to people. And at that time it was other Navy SEALs learning a very specific skill set. Like Can I, you say what you were teaching? Yeah. Can you yeah. say that? What were you oh, teaching? Yeah. I was, I was a static line jump master instructor as well as a hearse master instructor. So back to the whole jumping out of helicopters, roping out of helicopters, I would teach guys how to go be able to do that at the team as well as static line jumping. So if you think 
World War II beaches of Normandy, all those dudes jumping out of airplanes. That's that was crazy. static kind of stuff, yeah. My my mom was a professional skydiver. Really? She did all the um like well, this was back when skydiving, it was like it was so cheap to yeah. jump because oh, she would do yeah. her you know, now I think like now to skydive it's it's like a lot more expensive, but she said she could go up for like 35 bucks, 30 bucks, like super cheap. Just pay the pilot. Wow. Be like, Oh, we're going up 30 yeah. bucks, you know? But yeah, she did all the, like the tricks in the air where her and her team would like do the like formations. And yeah. Stuff? Oh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And then after we were born, my dad made her hang it up. Yeah. He was like, you ain't doing that. No, you ain't jumping out of airplane. But that's kind of where I get like that wild hair of just like yeah. wanting to do stuff. And I've wanted to get my a license Oh, cool. to jump. Yeah, I know. But then it's like, John, can you imagine me fitting in? jumping in my schedule That's true. because you have yeah. to also keep it up. Like I'm yep. the type of person, like I would, I would work so hard to get my qualification. I would qualify. I would jump <laughs> one time and then I would just be so busy. I, I would try to go back in six months and I would, and then you have to do more. And then I probably jumps. like, yep. yeah, I probably like fall into a tree or something. Yeah. So <laughs> well, like into your dad's point, like you only get so many jumps out of an airplane before something goes wrong. Exactly. So, yeah, it's a numbers game. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So you were teaching the, the static line yeah, jumping as I, an instructor. Yeah. And I just, I just loved teaching. I, I loved everything about it whether it was organizing a class and structuring how things were going to get taught, what got taught, dealing with a, quote, problem child. And by problem <laughs> child, I just mean someone who's struggling to get it, and that's okay. Everyone's allowed to struggle with stuff. And it kind of dawned on me, dude, you've, you've been a teacher your whole career or your whole life. You just didn't know it. Like you, I, I, As I look back, I remember being younger and like I, I enjoyed helping younger kids because I had seen what they were going through. I'm like, hey, here's how you do that, you know? Um, and even at the team, I had some success with some stuff and people came to me like, Hey dude, how'd you do that? And I helped them get through the process. And so it dawned on me, John, you've had a really cool ride in the SEAL teams. Like most team guys do, but you also had a very unique one. Why don't you just take what you learned here and go help people apply it to their life. And that's exactly what you were talking about of where I'm at now. So let's just talk about what it is. I, I have opened a, a coaching business. I call high ground life. And I take what I learned in the SEAL teams and I help people apply it to their life, no matter where they're at, no matter who they are, what they do. And that might sound broad or vague. How or... did you come up with the name High Ground? So High Ground like is a name. tactical decision. So Ooh. in land warfare, you always want to own the high ground. That, I, I'm really into that. You know, a lot of my training programs, mm -hmm. I have Charlie Mike. Oh, yeah. I have WTF. I have, <laughs> I'm not going to do that It's <laughs> Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's like a couple at like Pipe Hitter. Like mm -hmm. that's like another like, oh, cool. yeah. So I love like, okay. So explain what high ground is. Like the military high ground or my high ground? The, the military high ground <laughs> okay. and then, yeah, both. Um, yeah. So like, yeah, if you are in a land warfare type setting, you, you want to own the high ground. If someone has to attack you, they have to come uphill to do it. Mm. If you can own the high ground, you can own the battle space. Same thing's true in an urban environment. Don't fight from the first floor. Go take the whole building and fight from the rooftops. Own everything. Be able to see everything. Being in the high ground will always give you the best advantageous position to be, whether it's in life or tactically or wherever you're trying to go. I so, love that. And that's the name of your coaching business, mm -hmm. High Ground. Yeah. Teaching people how to take the high it. ground in their own in their own life. So it's it's been a really fun ride so far. And um, I've got a client that's in the NFL. We've been working together for like three years. And then it ranges all the way to people who own a CPA firm or a private equity firm. And what about what about younger individuals who are wanting to go through the pipeline to become an, a Navy SEAL? So that is, do you do any coaching like that? That's a thing I really want to get into. Sure. As strange as it sounds, people on LinkedIn, like kids, have reached uh -huh. out to me asking nice. for that. Yeah. Um, so that's a need in the marketplace. Yeah, because John, you guys can't see John, but he's also very physically fit. <laughs> Thank you. And he he tells me how much he's like squatting, like rubbing it in my face <laughs> all the time, so I can step up my squat game. So because you have you're really good at that too, like not only the coaching oh, and you know you. the people person, but you're really good at like fitness and stuff too. So. Um, one day I'll go run for 24 hours with you and we'll just, <laughs> it we'll was just 40 see hours. Who, 40 it was a 40 hours. hour run okay. that I did. We'll just see who's bragging at the end of that because <laughs> it, it ain't going to be me. <laughs> okay, yeah. Good. I'll take that one. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So I, I do think that would be fun to help uh -huh. younger dudes sure. get ready for that. Um, but one of the like feedback questions I get from people is like, well, dude, how do you help an NFL athlete and a CPA firm owner? Like mm, those are, are two totally different, way different. Right. Well, the answer there is, well, before I'm a Navy SEAL and before he's an NFL athlete, before he's a CPA firm owner, like we're humans, man. And it doesn't matter who you are, what you do, you'll always be a human. And there's things all humans can do, no matter where they're at in their life, to go and take that high ground. And one of the principles we work from is straight from the Bible with Proverbs, where there is no vision, the people perish. And what that means is if, if you're a business leader, if you don't have a vision for your where you want to take your business and where you want your people to go, 
not only are you never going to get there, it's going to fade away. And it's probably going to fade away in a manner you do not want in a very bad way. Learning how to use diligence. Like if, if you guys are looking for leadership stuff, Proverbs is a great place to start. Uh, he who has diligent hands shall prosper and just teaching people how to be diligent, proactive, mindful, aware, have a plan, how to execute, how to overcome fears. And working through fears is one of my favorite things to do. Mm. When you just sit and talk Explain with someone. Explain that a little bit. So like I'm, I'm coaching people. And they just started a, a health and wellness coaching business. And for them right now, the most important thing that they can do is create new business. It's not Instagram. It's not perfecting the product. It's generating business. So one of the things we did was we backed up, said, okay, well, if we want to generate business, how do we do that? So I took some old verbiage from work and we made a murder list. Nice. <laughs> like, all right, you're going to go find all these gyms in your local area. This is your murder list. And you're going to go down one by one and you're going to get in front of them in person. Mm-hmm. Right. And in my mind, yeah, it works. Cause you're going to get in front of people's exposure, all that good stuff. And then the next week we would check in and they hadn't done it yet. And I know what's going on. Right. I, I, I know it's not because you're too busy. I know it's fear-based, mm-hmm. but I don't tip that hand. I just say, okay, so, You've had your list for two weeks, but you haven't gone to this one gym yet we've been talking to. We, we've been talking about this whole time. They're like, no, I've just been really busy, and I want my partner to be able to go. And I, I, it, it just seems like it would, it, it's best if he comes with me. And so I'll just sit back and ask a question. I'm like, oh, so when you've done this in the past, you've always done it with your partner, never by yourself. Well, no. So you've never done it with your partner either. No. So what's the issue here? Well, and then our schedules are a bit, and so like you just hear excuse after mm, excuse. Mm. And when I say that, I don't mean that from a looking down my nose kind of way. Sure. I, I'm just calling it what it is. I understand it's all through fear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what you have to remind them is, hey, man, you're human, not a bird. You don't fly south for the winter. You make a choice of where you want to live and what you're going to do. And next week's coming, next month's coming, and next year's coming. You get to make the choice on who you're going to be next year or next week, right? So what you need to understand is these two weeks that have gone by without you executing and going and getting in front of these businesses, it's pushing you in a direction you don't want to go in. Are you going to be an employee or an entrepreneur? You know, employee, and there's nothing wrong with either one, right? An employee shows up and gets tasks done. The entrepreneur, however, has to create the task and then get it done. And I told them, frankly, like, if you do not start executing, you're going to start sitting in fear even longer. And you're going to make excuse after excuse after excuse and never move the ball in the right direction. And then you're going to be so far behind the power curve, you're going to be overwhelmed. And then you're really not going to execute because now you're super overwhelmed. And then you're going to start telling yourself how maybe going back and working at this place would be better. Maybe that's what I was meant to be. Maybe I wasn't meant to be an entrepreneur. That's not true. All this lacking right now is just your execution. Like, you, you know what you know. You have your knowledge. You probably know not more than 99% of the people you will ever talk to about health and fitness. You can help them. You just have to execute. Don't be scared. And, and people, they get scared, man, when you have to be vulnerable, when you have to go get in front of people, when you have to just show yeah, who you are. Yeah, do new things, too. Mm-hmm. I think it's like definitely stepping out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And and what's interesting is I observe this from the coaching standpoint is I, I know fear when I see it, uh, especially working with clients. But one of the indicators is they start finding other things to do. Mm-hmm. So we have your execution list. But instead of doing it, oh, I need to unload the dishwasher. Actually, you know what? Let me make a new IG reel. Uh, you know what? I need to change some verbiage in my program. And I had to remind him, like, hey, dude, program doesn't need to be perfect. It needs to exist. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. have it exist and go help people. Mm-hmm. But this whole not executing thing will will drive you out of business before you can ever really get going, you know? how Do you, do you work with your people, like, in person or do you work with them online? Or how do you yeah. how do you get your clients? If somebody's listening to this and they're like, wow, because it really much seems like business coaching, but you do a lot of life coaching, mm-hmm. too. Um, how, like, how can somebody get in touch with you and... And what is the process? Yeah, so if yeah, if anybody mm-hmm. wants to just find my Instagram page, High Ground Life, and shoot me a DM, and we'll go from there. But I actually, ninety nine percent of my clients are over Zoom. Uh, I've only had one client who was actually local here in the area. It was uh, Ben Smith, the twenty fifteen yeah. CrossFit Games champion, and that was really cool because like I'd go coach him for an hour, and then we'd work out together. And he's just so unbelievably, unbelievably physically gifted. I'd come away feeling really <laughs> bad about myself, but you know, it was, and, and so like, even he's an example of that. And I told him up front, like, Hey, I'm not a CrossFit coach, dude. Sure. What we're going to do here is help you become the better version of yourself. So that version can go compete, can go train and can go run your business. Uh-huh. And that's how, that's just the bottom line. Like that, that's who you want out there. You don't want JV version of you. You want best version of you. And I guess if I had to summarize it with anybody who's like 
listening at trying to figure out what's going on here, no matter who you are, our intent will always be to grow you as a person and allow you to figure out who that is, what that looks like, where you're truly at, because a lot of people are not accurate when they claim where they claim to be, you sure. know, yeah. um, they church it up a little too much, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but taking that just on like stock. the gram, mm-hmm. we like to church up the gram to oh, make our yeah. life seem so perfect. Got to throw that highlight reel out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And we just start working on growing this best version of them. So that best version can go be the business owner or the business leader or the husband or the father and letting that person take over. Cause the, it, you take you with you, no matter where you go and the way you do anything is the way you do everything. So work on you being great. And then he'll show up or she will show up in other aspects of your life. And one of the recurring themes, and I don't know if just the demographic I work with or what, but a lot of the, the men I work with have been really successful in business. And unfortunately the home life might fall off a little bit, mm. whether it's the relationship with the spouse or their kids. And so they come to me saying, Hey dude, like, I feel like I got to make up for lost time. I've crushed it in business, but I've missed out on plenty of little league games or like my wife and I are talking and everything. So just to, to, when I say I take what I learned in the teams and apply it here, one of the things we'll do is I love to pour in mindfulness into people's life, just making you mindfully aware of where you're at, what you're doing, what you're saying. And so an exercise I'll put them through is we'll develop some physical cues. And so if someone's listening to this and let's say you're, you're a male and you want to be a better husband or father on your commute home from work today, let it be your commute home, but understand you were leaving work at work. You're not carrying the day's problems, the day's tensions, anything from the day. You're, you're not bringing that home. That's not your wife and your kids burden to deal with. As you pull into the driveway, turn the radio off, pull in, put the car in park, take a deep breath in, deep breath out, and just relax into your chair. Feel your body weight just sink into the chair. And then before you get out, sit there and ask yourself, if I were the best husband on the face of the planet, how would I walk through the doorway right now? How would I engage with my wife? How would I talk to her the rest of the evening? How, how available would I be to her emotionally, physically, just in general? How would I respond to everything she asked me to do? How would I, resp- how would I just communicate to her? Same thing true with the father piece. If I were the best father on the face of the planet, how would I walk through the door? How would I engage with my kids? Would I be on my phone talking to my kids or would I give them my undivided attention? And even to backtrack farther, what's your mindset look like on the way home? And most people don't even know what, what their mindset is until we start calling it out. And so if you had a bad day at work, are you driving home thinking, oh my God, dude, it's been such a terrible day. And now I got to go home and deal with these kids. Yeah. I'm like, the dishes better be done. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I can just, I really, really struggle with really? like leaving work. Yeah. Because like I, I, I work literally 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. to 11 p.m. at night. You're nonstop. Any yeah, you're... time, any moment I get. And um, yeah, but as an individual, like I really, really struggle. Mm. Like, and I like what you said about getting your mind right mm-hmm. before you even yeah. Yeah, well, go home. I'm always trying to divide it. I'm like, well, I, if I can like, you know, do this a little bit of time like this with the kids and then I can have like an hour later to mm-hmm. work because I have this project that everybody's waiting. Right. And well, like the mindset thing though, more than likely. You're I know in- my situation is a little yeah. like intense yes. though. Yes. I'm not the normal. I don't have like the average. Yeah. Newsflash y'all actually schedule super intense. stuff going on all the time. <laughs> um, but like, but what? I love that. I love, I love, love, love what you said. Yeah. And that's kind of like a part of like your coaching and stuff that mm-hmm. you, you talk about, like just, yeah. A- awareness mindset. And like you said, of being aware of that, most mm-hmm. people don't realize this. You will not have a great attitude by accident, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to kind of put mm-hmm. yourself in that good place. So let's say you're driving home and it's been a terrible day. Where's that headspace at in regards to the family and, and kids and things like that? Oh, dude, it's been a rough day. Now I got to go home and deal oh, with yeah, these kids. Oh, yeah, the negativity. It's like once you say one thing, it's like then you say another yeah. thing. And then you're like, it's so negative. And then you're like, I freaking suck. Like, it this spirals. sucks. Like, I'm going to come home to a messy house. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to have to clean all night. Right. And so. And then you come in and you yell at the kids. Yep. How do I know this? Because that's me, oh. guys. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> uh, it's it's a real, it is a real struggle. I mm-hmm. I mean, but even in like today's like society, of like just everything going on in the world it's really easy to just like, you really got to let that go and not take it home with you. Right. And so one of the challenges I'll do, especially with men is like, ask where that mindset is. Was it the whole, I have to go deal with my kids or is it, you know what? Today was kind of hard. However, I've got two kids that I love more than words waiting for me at home and who think the world of me and I'm going to let the day go and I'm going to be with them the rest of the evening. And if there's a mess, you know what? 
I'll do obnoxious gratitude and go, dude, my house is wrecked because I have kids. Mm -hmm. How lucky am I? Mm -hmm. Like, how many parents like changing your heart posture of like, and you're just being grateful for the messes instead of looking at them like a burden. Dude, do you know who Ethan Suplay is? I had him on my podcast. Really? Yeah. Okay, so you know. (laughs) Yeah, I know Ethan Suplay. He has a great transformation. Like, he lost hundreds of pounds. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, I, so sometimes I get obnoxious with the gratitude practice that I'll do or have people do. Cause I mean, dude, sometimes you got to get obnoxious to make growth. But yeah. he had, I saw one of his social media posts on gratitude uh-huh. and I'll have my clients do gratitude journaling for a whole set of reasons, but I saw how he did his. Yeah. How was it? It was awesome. He was like, he would write down the problem. Like there's crumbs on the floor. Mm-hmm. That means I actually have food to eat. How many mm-hmm. people. Or if he's like, there's so many dishes in the sink. Cause I have a big family to love. Uh, yeah, nuts. But it's crazy if you can truly flip I that switch that. and start looking at that paradigm. Yeah. your life's gonna change, right? Like you see, you just different how you see the uh, world, and instead of seeing problems, you see yeah. opportunities, right? Yeah, yeah. But these, and if, if y'all are listening to this, like you can't accidentally do this. Don't beat yourself up if you never thought like this. Well, because we all want to think like pes- pessimist, optimistically. Yeah, but we want to we want <laughs> oh, to think yeah, yeah. like like pessimists, right? Like mm-hmm. we have like this negative. Like it's e- that's what I'm saying is like it's easy to just get in that like negative spiral downhill. Mm. And what John is saying, you have to be very very intentional. Like even if you're having a bad day or if you're feeling that you're having a bad day, just say like just be super positive. Yeah, yeah. And there's and dude, there's also nothing wrong with having a bad day, mm-hmm. right? what it can cause to happen could be bad. Right? Like if you get in a car wreck, I don't expect to go, oh, today was a good day. I was in a car wreck. I'm grateful <laughs> yeah. to have a car. I drive yeah. time out. We don't have to do that. But checking in with yourself and asking yourself like, okay, how am I feeling? Okay, I feel like crap because I just got hit by a car. That's fine. What I need to make sure I, I don't do. <laughs> what I, need to I make, like your example that we've used. <laughs> <laughs> what I need to make sure I don't do is allow this to bleed over to my family. Sure. I still need to be mindful of how I communicate to my kids, my wife, how I engage with my employees or, or whomever, and just mm-hmm. learning to do that constant check-in of where you're at. And is this who I need to let out, or do I need to be very aware of what I'm about to say and do with other people? You know. I love that. So cool. Do you have a website? Have you have you built a website yet? Not yet. Um, in the works with like okay. multiple different entities trying to do all that. Yeah. And j- just, I'm going to be fully transparent with y'all. Y'all, I'm a Navy SEAL. Man, I am not a tech junkie. <laughs> I'm a knuckle dragon frog man. Built, I know some of y'all think building a website sounds super easy, but I can barely work a typewriter. Hey, I know. <laughs> Guess who's sponsoring this podcast today? Shopify. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's where all my websites are built out oh, of. Oh, really? Yeah, which we actually talked about yeah, that. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Gonna, like, yeah, see about. I'm so Because I don't really know. I, I don't know how to build, like, websites, uh, but I know people who can. Yeah, I'm so technologically technologically ignorant. When you said <laughs> Shopify, I'm like, yeah, I listen to music on Spotify, too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, the Shopify, that's so funny that you said that because when I first saw that, I was like, oh, Spotify? I was like, no, that's Shopify. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's good. I, I just love how much that, that you have grown. I want to ask you like another, like probably the last kind of hard question. Do you feel like now you're fulfilling your purpose, like that God had intended? Or do you think like, wh- I kind of just want to know mm-hmm. just kind of what... Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. What are your thoughts? Yeah. yeah? Like with, this, with, all of this was supposed to happen and now you're supposed to be coaching and leading? Yep. So without a doubt. Um, and we'll rewind a little were you, bit. Were you, ever, were you ever mad? Like, did you ever, like, I, you know, were you ever like mad either at, at God or like, you know, that everything changed? Were you mad because you're, because, you know, you were so set in like who you were and this was your purpose. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden you're like, okay, even though you had time to transition, but right. like, come on. I mean, that yeah. that's like, that's like a life change. It's a huge, huge yeah. change. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't think I was ever mad. I was definitely confused. Yeah. I'm like, God, what's going on here, man? Like, well, I thought we had this agreement. I'm going to be a team guy. And like, now you're pulling me out of here. But obviously he knew better and he's sovereign and he was looking out for me in ways I didn't understand. Sure. Um, but to answer your question wholeheartedly, I, I fully believe I'm doing what I'm supposed to do now. And so, like I said earlier about I thought I would be in the teams for 20 or 30 years. And if I do the job, if I died doing this job, that's okay. I now look back and go, okay, God put you on earth to help people. He sent you to the teams to get a story and a platform to come from and give you experience to go forth and help people. Now you're going to step into what you're supposed to be doing. And mm-hmm. that is bringing service to people. And I think that's actually what every human's meant to do. Sure. I, every, if dude, if you're dealing with anxiety or depression or whatever, just go help somebody. You'll feel a lot better. 
I'm just doing it on a different level where I'm not, not just holding the door for someone or picking up trash. I, what I believe to be doing is helping people move through problems and get to get to places they otherwise couldn't have gone. And it's something I take super seriously, man. There's all sorts of quote coaches out there who use leverage and other things to manipulate and control clients. Like not about that at all. If, if I coached a thousand people in a year and never made one Instagram post, that's okay. Mm-hmm. I, I don't do this to be cool. I don't do it for likes. I just truly want to see people. Yeah. Share. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Well, awesome. Hey, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Is there, is there anything else like that you, that we want to leave the listeners Come on by High Ground Life on Instagram and check me out. But what, if, what, what would you say for somebody? I know we talked about this like a little bit before the show, but like somebody who is kind of feeling like maybe, you know, they set like these goals for themselves and they're feeling uh, kind of yeah. burnt out. What would you say? What would just be like some just couple like key points that if they're feeling burnt out, whether mm-hmm. it's like a new business endeavor? I know a lot of people during the last couple of years, they've decided to get out of the teams and they're, they've right. started new paths mm-hmm. and new journey. Um, do you have like anything to leave with anybody who's just yeah, feeling like a, a ton? So I will try not to take up too much time. One, if you're feeling burned out, that's okay. You're a human. You're allowed to be tired, but step back and ask yourself, why are you feeling burned out? Is it your just daily battle rhythm of going too hard? Or is it a bigger problem in that you're not truly passionate about what you're trying to do? And then step back even farther and ask, just asking yourself, why, why, why do I feel burned out? Why am I doing this? What made me do this? But if you are feeling burned out, one of the best things you can do or feeling anxious or depressed is remember facts are friends. Like we all have this tendency to build up this monster in our noggin without actually doing it from facts. So one of the best things you can do is just get out, get out a piece of paper and a pencil or pen, whatever, and just write out what is true about what you're trying to do and ask yourself, what have I truly done to make this happen? You know, you don't have to let yourself be overwhelmed. Just figure out factually what's going on. And more times than not, that'll take care of a lot of problems you might be having. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on today's Reborn podcast. Thank you it's for having me. It's truly an honor. Um, it's been pretty cool getting to know. I've I've been able to sit down with John a couple times now and get to know him as a person. And uh, just like you're, you're just super real and authentic, and I love that. And you're very, very passionate oh. about helping people. Um, so I, it's, it's been really nice getting to know you and um, having you as a friend and in the area. So I just want to say thanks for sharing the things that you have shared with me, even that have, you know, helped me and like our short conversations that we have had. I really, really appreciate that. And I know that the listeners, um, can benefit from you and everything that you have to offer. So. Oh, cool. Thanks, Ashley. Pleasure's all mine too. It's been fun getting to know you. Cool. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us on today's Reborn podcast. And we will catch you guys next week. Make sure you leave an Apple review. If you have a guest that you would like to see, a topic that you would like to cover, shoot me a DM on the Instagram at Reborn Pod. And I will catch you guys next week. Bye. Swallow your pride. There's nowhere to hide. What would you decide when it's on the line? just do or die. Would you compromise or would you stand through the storm and roll with the tide? Would you be the one to fight or the one to hide? You can never touch the sky, don't try to fly. Rocky roads, but we stayed unshakable. Been through it all and we still unbreakable.